You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. We've been studying in a series for the fall that we've called Everyday Faith. And Everyday Faith is a series based on the book of James. And really what we've said is that James is a book, it's a blueprint for life, a very resourceful book. And overall, the theme of James is faith in action. Everybody say, faith in action. And there's tools along the way that we're picking up to know how to act, kind of step by step. And today we're going to finish chapter 2. Next week we'll be into chapter 3. And as we track through this, one of the goals is to create spiritually mature believers. And last week we talked about the sin of partiality, of judging, and of favoritism. And it's, it was easy to say, yes, pastor, I agree with that, or I understand that, a little harder to put into practice. Sometimes we all can get caught up in a judgmental, showing partiality, showing favoritism. But we said last week that we need to value, we need to accept, forgive, and get close to people. And I pray that us, as the body of believers, that we're doing just that. That's what we're commissioning each other to do. Now today, in contrast, is a little different. We're moving into chapter 2, verse 14, and then beyond, and it's much more controversial, at least at first. Verse 17 in particular, has rattled the cage of the church since the first century. Let's put it up there. James chapter 2, verse 17 says, So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Take a good look at this. Let it sink in for a moment. Faith without works is dead. You say, well, what's the trouble with this? Well, the trouble is that there's an apparent contradiction in Scripture. Because if you look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, it says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It's a gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. Now let that sink in for a moment. And you see the difference? One saying faith without works is dead. The other one saying, no, uh, you're only saved by grace. And at the first look, it could appear that these are contradictory statements. But I assure you, I spent over half of my time studying these different ideas over this week. And we don't have the time to take a super deep dive, although you certainly can. But I've realized that these two statements are actually complementary. One is explaining how salvation happens. That's Paul here in Ephesians chapter 2. We are saved by grace through faith. Everybody say, thank you, Lord. And then let's go to James chapter 2, verse 17, back there, where, where James says, uh, he explains how salvation is made visible. And this is a big difference. So by faith, it's not by works. But faith without works is dead. They're talking about different aspects of the same truth of salvation. James has been called applied Christianity. So so Paul, he's talking about the means of the gospel, where James 
It's the demonstration of the gospel. And we're going to talk about that. But before we go too far, it's important when we, when we talk about faith that we need to get this right. It, faith is a big deal. So let's just look at a few verses. You can write these down. You can highlight them. If you've got your Bible, you can go and uh, highlight those for sure. Uh, the first verse is back to Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Let's just make sure we get this right. For by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It's a gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one can boast. Let's look at another verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. It says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Hebrews chapter 11, 6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So this is important. This is, uh, when we talk about faith, it's central to our Christian walk. It says, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And then one more verse, Romans 14, 23, at the end of this, look what it says. It says, for whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Very interesting verse to study. The idea here overall is that faith is not just important, it must be combined with action. Faith and works are put, are put together at least 10 times in the book of James. Faith in action. And so I want to just challenge us as we consider faith and our faith in Jesus, what should we do? How many have ever heard the, the idea that we should work out our faith with fear and trembling? How many have heard that before, right? If you haven't, that's in Scripture. A verse that kind of complements that is 2 Corinthians 13.5 that says this, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. And today, we could use today as a little pop quiz. And I want us to stand and read these scriptures from James chapter 2. And I want you to take it personally. These, the reason we're standing and reading this out loud is because that's exactly what would have happened with the book of James. It was sent to the 12 churches uh, that had scattered out of Jerusalem. And so they're in different cities around. And they were to read this aloud. And as we read it, it's, there's some strong language here. And uh, no four-letter words, don't worry. But, uh, there's, but it, we should take this personally. And so without further ado, let's look at it. It says this, on page 12, if you're following along in your scripture journal, uh, and by the way, we have these as well in the lobby. You can grab one and take some notes in it and encourage you to do so. This is what it says. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? Great question. If a brother or a sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? Verse 17, highlight this. So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Verse 18, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. And James replies, show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? 
And then he goes on to give us an example. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son uh, Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works. And scripture was fulfilled that says Adam believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith Alone, verse 25, and in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Lord Jesus, help us to take these words Apply them to our hearts and our minds. And Lord, just speak to us this morning. And God, I pray that we would put our faith in action. Lord, help us in these things. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated this morning. I'm so glad you're here. This is a section talking about faith and works. And there's a couple questions that this section uh, brings up that we need to wrestle with. The first question is, what kind of faith really saves a person? We should know this. This is important to us. And the second question is, is it necessary to perform good works in order to be saved? And the third is, how can a person tell whether or not he is is exercising true saving faith. And what James does is he answers these questions by explaining that there are three kinds of faith, two negative, one positive, and we'll wrap it all up with our theme, Everyday Faith, or the name of the series. The first type of faith is a faith that is dead. Look at it, verse 14 through 17. We have that great question at the beginning. What good is it, brothers, if someone has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? And then it shares a story that someone's in need. And you say, oh, bless you. I'll pray for you. And you don't respond. You don't help. He says, what good is that? And he's talking to Christians. He's talking to save people that lacked some maturity or stability in their life. And James is saying, look, there's a faith that is dead. It's lip service with no lifestyle. And remember a couple weeks ago when we talked about the theme overall, faith in action, they, there will be people, uh, Matthew 7, 21, that will, uh, that will say, Lord, Lord, I, um, I knew you. And Jesus will say, I never knew you. Look what it says. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. We mentioned that a couple weeks ago. We substitute words for deeds. We have the right vocab. We quote verses. We do the right things, but we're not walking the walk. We're just talking uh, too much. You may think your words are as good as your works, but according to James and other places in the Bible, you would be wrong. And the thing is, we don't tolerate 
words without action in other areas of our lives. If you're a business person and you're, you're, um, you have an employee that is all talk and they never show up to work or they never uh, do the job that is in front of them, uh, even if they're great and you like them and they're, they're fun to be around, you're, they're going to lose their job. We don't tolerate just talk. You have to have the talk and the walk or the action. How many would agree? The same is true in relationships. I was thinking about when Jessica and I were dating. Uh, we, she lived in Florida. I lived in Michigan. I was in high school. She was in college. I was dating a college student as a high school student. I don't know what you were thinking, Jessica. But we had this distance in between us, and we used to write letters literally almost daily. We have boxes of letters. I would write a letter every time I'd get a letter, and the same was true for Jessica over and over and over. And we showed, we didn't just say we loved each other. We put our words into action, and how many know you, when you handwrite a letter, you put some scripture in it because we were just spiritual young kids that loved Jesus, loved each other. And then you got to find a stamp, you got to, you know, put it in the mail. There's some action according to that. And that shouldn't just end when you stop dating. A couple years ago, uh, how many know October is the, the month of love? I mean, it just is. In our family, that's because the month of October is Jessica's birthday month. You say birthday month? Yes, we celebrate 31 days straight. Yeah. A couple years ago, someone gave me the idea. I don't remember where it came from. I got Jessica. Her birthday's on the 31st, and I got her a gift every single day for an entire month. And, oh, thank you. <laughs> First service was just, they, they didn't say anything. They just were looking at me like, we don't believe you. And Jessica wasn't here to defend me, but it's true. And I think I did it a second year, and then I was saying this year, Jessica, it's your birthday month. Happy birthday. And she's like, I'm not having it. It's just a bunch of words. Where's the action? <laughs> and so I got called on it. I got called on it. And the thing is, James here, he's saying, look, there's a faith that is dead. How many know that there's a love that can grow cold, right? And uh, where there's no action, and that's not good. Not, for all the uh, folks that are married or that are in relationship, take note. Like you, don't just say you love. You need to show it and, and do something about it. And in this context, in James, if you say you're a Christian and there's no action, is it possible that you're not saved? Well, it's implied in verse 14 that that could be the case. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says that he has faith but does not have works? Can that save or that faith save him? And the answer is no. And then in verse 17, and in verse 20, and in verse 26, three different times in this short section, James says, faith without works is dead. Let's continue. Verse 18, the story goes on, or uh, James, his letter goes on. It says, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Almost as if they're arguing, saying, hey, I don't agree with this, right? And then James says, show me your faith apart from your works, and for me, I will show you my faith by my works. This is a dividing statement. So first we got faith is, that is dead, and then he goes into verse 19 that he shares that there's a faith that is deceived as well. And 
that what we're about to read, when the early readers would have read this, when they would have read this out loud, they, their jaws would have jo- dropped. It's like James was shocking the complacent reader, complacent church. And look what it says, verse 19. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Of course, he's going back to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, where it talks about that there's one God and uh, we serve one God um, only. And he's saying, look, the, the, the demons even believe this. And not only do they believe, they shudder. There's, there's some emotion. They tremor. They tremble. As I studied this, I realized that demons have faith. They believe in the existence of God. They believe in the deity of Christ. Demons believe that there's a hell, a place of judgment, and demons submit to the power of God's word. There's scripture for each of those statements that is true. And if you boil all this down, some people believe that demons have good theology. It'll blow your mind, right? You're like, what? And the idea here is that for us to wrestle with is that a person can be enlightened in their mind and even stirred in their heart. The demons, they believe and they're stirred in their heart. They tremble, they shudder, there's emotion attached and not be saved, lost for forever, for eternity. And what James is saying, look, I want to make sure that your everyday faith is rooted in what's right. And it involves more. There's something that should be seen and recognized. Ultimately, your faith should result in a changed life. Good intentions are not enough. How many of us have seen where there's someone that will maybe come to Jesus or have a come to Jesus moment where they're feeling convicted and maybe even emotional and crying and then they walk away and they never serve the Lord? Like, it's like, what happened there? Well, were they really saved? I'm not the judge. But what James is saying, look, there should be something. We should be able to look at the action or the fruit and know that there's, that, hey, that's a believer. Not just a bumper sticker on the car or a t-shirt. Not just lip service. Our lives should be so extreme that others would look and say, man, they must have faith. And it's different from someone who just does good works. How many know someone that does good works, that doesn't know Jesus? We probably all do. And they can do all kinds of things, even greater things than I've done. And and at the point, there's a distinction with a believer. For the believer, it's rooted in Jesus and his words that we should love the poor as much as we love ourselves. Right? We love God and we love our neighbor as ourselves. We need to give to the point where we're depending on God. We'll be inconvenienced by our faith because we have to even love our enemies. And there are other examples of this. There's a distinction for the believer. And then verse 20. Again, it's almost like there's a rhetorical question back saying, I don't know, are you sure about this? And look what James chapter 2 verse 20. James says, do you want to be shown Or do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? He's saying, really, you want to go there? (laughs) And he uses that word, you foolish person. This is strong language. This is meant to be taken personally. He says, look, faith is dead. 
There's a faith that deceives. And then James gives an example, two examples, where faith is dynamic, alive. In verses 21 through 26, he puts two people up against themselves, against each other. One is Abraham, the other is Rahab. Abraham, the story is rooted in Genesis 22, and for Rahab, Joshua 2 and Joshua chapter 6, write those down. And James is making a huge point here. For Abraham, we know that Abraham was a Jew, right? Uh, There's no one else in the Old Testament that was more respected than Abraham. In fact, so much so that we sing, Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham. I'm one of them, so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. So kids' church, right? So Abraham... And the point is, he was a Jew, he was godly, he's called a friend of God here, and he believed, and he was willing to give up everything, even his own son, and again, no one respected Abraham more than, or, or no one respected, there was no one that was respected more than Abraham, excuse me. And the point is, is that Abraham, his bold move with his son, where he took his son up the mountain. He was going to sacrifice his son. And, uh, and then God, of course, provided. You can read the story. But the, his, the, all of that was a demonstration of his faith. On the other side is Rahab. And it, there are, it couldn't be two more different examples. Three things against Rahab. Number one, she was a woman. In that day and age when James was writing this, you wouldn't normally use a woman to be an example. She was a Gentile, so it's not a Jew. And remember, James was writing to a Jewish audience in a Greek context. And she was a prostitute. Wow. And she lived in Jericho, who were the enemy of God's people. But Rahab believed in God. And when she believed, she committed treason against her own people. She was a traitor. It was out of her faith saying, I know this God is real, the God of the Israelites, that God used her to save God's people. And the point, remember Abraham, his bold move was a demonstration of his faith. Well, the same is true for Rahab. Rahab's courage, her courageous act was not the reason of her faith, but the demonstration of her faith. And both Abraham and Rahab are found in the, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, the hall of faith, and for good reason. Not for the reason of their faith, but for their demonstration of their faith. And so here, faith and works are working together. And just so we're clear, faith without works is dead. You can circle it, uh, verse 17, verse 20, and verse 26. You say, well, how do we work all this out? What do we do? We need to step out. We need to speak up. Well, there's a verse of Scripture found in Philippians chapter 2 that really caught my attention this week, and I want to read this, and I want us to let this sit in. There's a few statements within this that really are powerful, and I'm, I'm watching the time. It says this. The whole section is called Shining Brightly for Christ. How many think that's a good idea, right? And this is what it says. Dear friends, Paul writing to the Philippians, you always follow my instruction when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it is even more important. 
And then look at this. I've got it underlined here. You might want to uh, note this. It says, work hard to show the results of your salvation. Paul is saying, look, there should be some fruit. There should be some action behind your belief in Jesus. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Verse 14, do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. And then again, I have this next section underlined. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God. And then it says, shining like bright lights. I love that. In a world full of crooked and perverse people, our light should shine. It should be evident to others. We let our light shine. Hide it under a bushel. No way. I'm going to let it shine. Verse 16, hold firmly to the word of life. Then the one around the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain that my work was not useless. Verse 17, but I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. Our life should be an offering poured out for God. Our belief turns into action, and there should be joy associated with this, as I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice, and I will share in your joy. This is big. This is important. It's faith and works together. Your faithful service as an offering. And so when we look at Paul and the way he wrote and the words of James, these are not conflicting. No. Both knew that faith that saves rests in Jesus alone. But they also both knew that a faith that saves will be evident and visible in the life of the redeemed. Let's pray. Lord, I'm praying that you would move us into action. God, I pray that we would not just be hearers of the word, but doers. And God, I pray that it would burn inside of us. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to close the service in a little different way. We're not going to have any music, nothing to create emotion or create a, a, a scene like we normally do. And I want to speak to those among us and those that are online that would fall into this category where your faith is dead or your faith has grown cold. Maybe at one time you loved Jesus and maybe served him, or even, you know, went to church, or maybe, you know, you participated, or maybe even served, or were giving. And if you were honest, your faith is dead. It's kind of like my example, like, man, 31 gifts, and then you say it, you would say you're a believer, but there's no proof, there's no action to follow it up. If your faith is dead today, you need to take a 180-degree turn and say, all right, God, I'm coming back to you. And I want this to be faith with action, a demonstration of my faith. 
The other possibility is that you are deceived. You've been deceived. In fact, after first service, I had two people come to me and say, that was me. I thought I was a, I was a believer, but I wasn't. Even the demons believe. And there's emotion, but they don't put their trust. There's no fruit. There's no action. And if you're in a situation where you would say, hey, I'm a believer. I believe, but there's no action. There's no proof. There's no sign. You need to wrestle with that and ask the Lord to help you. And in both cases, I would say you need to come back to the Lord. Or maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus. Maybe you've never given your heart to Jesus. And simply, we want to cast the net and say, hey, today is your day. We would love for you to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. So I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. In kind of a moment of decision, do you have a saving faith? Or is your faith dead and deceived? If you're here and you need Jesus to save you, I want you just to lift your hand right where you are. And if you're online, you can just type it in the chat. We'd love to, we will follow up with you and get you resourced. But who here? Yes, see that hand. Anyone else? Saying, yes, that's me today. I'm in a place where I'm away from God. My faith is dead. I've been deceived. Or maybe I never knew Jesus. Anyone else? Just one. For the sake of the one this morning, I want to just pray a simple prayer. And more than ever, with a message like this, it's not the prayer that saves you. It's your faith, your belief, and then what comes after. It's the evidence that should grow in your life. And we want to help you to do that. But let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would be saving us, helping us, and even those around us. God, I pray that you would uh, do a mighty work. Lord, we believe in you. We believe that you're the Son of God. And God, that you sent your Son, Jesus, to die for us. And today we're putting our faith in you. Lord, help us to walk this out. Help us to understand in a deep way what it means. And God, I pray this for your glory, for your honor. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask that you would stand as we close today. And again, I'm not going to call for the, for the worship team. Historically, we would sing a song here that responds to the message and kind of create some moments here of, of, of uh, re- reflection. But I want it to be a little different today, almost to the point that it seems a little clunky or disruptive. And I'm okay with that for today. Because this message should bring us to a place of action. And what I want to just challenge you is to ask the Holy Spirit in this moment for one thing, one action for this week. What is it this week that God is going to call you to do to put your faith in action? So others would look at your life and say, there's something different. There's something going on there. there his faith is evident. Her faith is evident. What is it? What's the action that God is calling you to do? It could be within your family or at work, or in school. 
And I want you just to get that in your mind. And I'm, I'm saying front to back, side to side, there's no one exempt here. If you are, would consider yourself a believer, what is the one thing that God is asking you to do this week? And I want you to close your eyes just for a moment and just say, God, speak to me. Show me. How can I live my faith? How can my faith be demonstrated this week? Because a faith that saves will be evident and visible in the life of the redeemed. And now, I want you to put your hand on your heart. And I want you just to declare this after me. Just say this after me. Say, I will live my faith to demonstrate your love to others. In Jesus' name, amen. And now, Lord, I pray that you go before us, behind us, and all around us. Help us to do just this. Amen. God bless you. Go in the grace of God. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.